Hello and welcome to the Exit 6 podcast. In the upcoming weeks, our judges will be revisiting all of the official selection from 2019 and talking about why they were selected. We recorded this one back in December, before the lockdown, so don't worry, we're not ignoring any social distancing measures. We are still open for submissions and the regular deadline closes on the 10th of June, so get those short films in. In this week's episode, the team talk about Lovesick by Norman Bertolino, A Song Can't Burn by Roscoe Nil, Video Check by Maya Safiri, and What We Say and What We Mean by Abigail Pimenta. Enjoy. Hello everyone, we're back in the uh, podcast studio and today I'm joined with Chris and Kate from the judging panel but I shall let them introduce themselves. Chris, we'll start with you. Who are you? I'm Chris, I'm one of the judges for this year and uh, in my real life I'm an editor. And Kate, who are you? Hello, I'm Kate, I'm the content producer for the Exit 6 Festival um, on the judging panel and in my day job I'm a creative in the advertising and um, broadcast area of the world. Brilliant. Okay, so what we're going to do today is talk about block one of 2019. Um, We had, it was a lovely start, we had um, six, seven films and we had a couple of interviews. So what we'll be talking about is the films individually and then get to hear uh, from the filmmakers themselves and what they said on the day, if you missed it. Or if you were there, you can relive it, it'd be fantastic. Okay, so first we've got um, Lovesick um, by Norman uh, Bertolino, and this is from the US, so it's quite a, quite nice straight away to see something a bit bit different, a bit, bit of sci-fi. Um, the synopsis for this one uh, was, uh, Carl is going in for a surgical procedure to get a girlfriend. Sounds extreme. We didn't, we didn't quite get to see what that, pres- well, no, that's wrong. We, do, we know what it is, but luckily there was no... Uh, operation scenes at all so unfortunately um norman wasn't able to join us that day so we'll get to just talk about the film itself and, and what we thought of it so chris do you, was you you got to see this during the the judging process didn't you what were your th- first thoughts on lovesick i really liked it it was very very well structured it's it's exactly as long as it needs to be it's about four and a half five minutes and it's precisely as long as it needs to to tell the story. It's, it's really well structured, it's very tightly told, the, the dialogue is very uh, terse, it's very effective, um, the effects are very good, mm. particularly towards the end, obviously you can see where the budget went. Mm-hmm. But it's a very good use of, of limited sets and a lot of it is very um, concentrated on, on close-ups of the main character and the Doctor. Um, very much liked it. it was. You know, it, it had a, a brilliant structure and a brilliant pacing, mm. and it told its story in its time, and it got in and out. <laughs> like the best short films, like, yeah. straight to the point. Kate, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I, mean, I, I really enjoyed it as well. I think I really um, liked the performances. There were um, the two central performances. They were really strong. There was a great dry kind of um, sense of humour underneath it, there, and um, yeah, it was very natural. Um, script and performances and it reminded me a little bit of eternal sunshine of spotless mind in terms of the the concept and also how how the um, dialogue was performed and um 
yeah but um yeah it was just really simple but really emotive and you you, you automatically warm to the character the main character i felt um and yeah i found the ending surprising and yeah like chris said it was just as long as it needed to be to be really enjoyable yeah yeah i thought the, the guy who played uh carl he um was it, like say he was, he was immediately quite um affable person mm. like oh he seems like a really nice guy he deserves love and yeah. and for him to go through this procedure which is you know the um the doctor she's very um uh kind of <laughs> like corporate in a way it's like clearly people are paying money for this and she goes through the facts and there's all the disclaimer things you know you might go mad having this procedure or but um yeah it was really like Chris said just straight to the point and the the reveal at the end which we would have to talk about everyone's got to try and track it down and watch it for themselves is beautiful it's really really impressive so it was a really nice one to to start the uh the block with Okay, so next we have A Song Can't Burn. Um, it's a, um, a UK production, but set in um, Syria. And, and it's a, what's lovely, it's a documentary about a, a, a professor musician who uses music as therapy for Syrian refugees suffering from the effects of trauma. Now I'm very pleased to say we did get the uh, production team along for that one. Um, so you'll get to hear from Roscoe Neal, the director, Martin Ball, the producer, and their director of photography, Dave Galloway. So uh, Martin, I'll, I'll start with you actually. Um, the, um, Nigel, how did you come across Nigel? How did you find him and find out about this project? Uh, all through uh, Use of Islam, Cat Stevens. So uh, the executive producer, Majid Hussein, is uh, one of his managers. Mm -hmm. um, and I've worked with him a bit on some music projects. And they were funding this with Penny Appeal, which is a charity. Mm -hmm. um, and they were working with Nigel. Nigel was developing these projects. And uh, yeah, they said, do you want to film it? And uh, yeah, just kind of went from there and said, yeah, It's meant good. to be. It yeah. came together. It's fantastic. Um, Roscoe, your background is editing and it's like music-based. It's like music videos, is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hate this bit. <laughs> it's all right. Just pretend I'm not there. Yeah. Just ignore them. Yeah. Um, so you come from like a music video background. Yeah. What was, what was it like for you to transition from that to documentary? Because that was one heck of a story you had to tell. I don't know, like, it all kind of happened really quickly. I didn't have really time to think about it. Like, we'd never, I'd never met Nigel before day one of shooting. Um, I don't know, like, it's just instinct. Like, the story tells itself, really, so I, I can't really answer that. Like, it just happened. Um, I don't know, it was all a learning, it was a learning experience for everyone. Because, like, we worked together on a documentary in Palestine. Mm -hmm. And then we did that, that was, like, a three-minute thing. And then we went into this and just, like, we had a few key points from that documentary where we wanted to like take the story further um, and like deliver a message. And then, yeah, we turned up and brainstormed it one night in a hotel room. And then for the next like seven days, filmed it and then came back, started editing. And then my office got broken into and everything got stolen. So we had to start again. Um, and yeah, just like, it's just, it was just a whirlwind that happened before our eyes, really. But That's incredible. It was quite an accomplishment then. You've, you've managed to just, it's just pulled together and it's worked really well. It's yeah. fantastic. Are, are we be doing more documentaries? You said you Palestine, and this was. Yeah, are you going to go somewhere? Um, go a different route, like somewhere more. I'm exotic? still doing a mu I'm doing a three-part series for Vice and NME about music and addiction. So oh, addiction okay. in the music industry. So 
sort of similar thing, like music seems to be just something I can't get away from. But and is that a short or something a bit longer? It's a three-part short series, yeah, which okay. should be out, like, I think one episode comes out mid-October and then the rest early November. Fantastic. So we'll all watch out for that. Yeah, have you guys got anything you want to plug? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anything else? What are you working on? Um, quite a lot of stuff with the charity still. Um, so we're just coming into a phase of working out what we want to go and film, what kind of projects. Um, Penny Appeal are great, by the way, um, if people want to look them up. Yeah, so Penny Appeal is like, to head Google that, and you'll yeah, find the website exactly. and you can see They, how they fund can... a lot of programs that other charities won't. So stuff like this, where it's like music therapy, a uh -huh. lot of people are like, okay, that's quite hard to fundraise for, so we're probably not going to fund it. Um, but these guys, they sort of go ahead, and then they try and let the stories attract some funding sort of later on, which I hope that this does. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, you're promoting it well. It's fantastic. Yeah. So we'll, we'll go on to, to, uh, to Dave now. It's a oh, director of photography. Those kids looked very relaxed around the camera. <laughs> do you have a really nice little, do you have any like tips like when you're dealing with kids? Because obviously Nigel was great. He knew what he was talking about and I bet that was quite a relaxed, yeah, you know, yeah. being in a room, just having him tell his story. But it when you're great. out on the street, what was, what was that like? Um, keep a distance and shoot with long lenses at pretty uh, much all times. Stealth. Yeah, stealth, basically. <laughs> um, go a bit covert with it. But um, the kids the kids were great. Like when we rolled up to the refugee camp, you know, we wanted to get across the emotion of the story, um, especially with all the trauma they've been through and what they've had to deal with in their lives. But to be honest, when you roll up and you've got, you know, you're shaking hands with them, um, you pull out the camera, they're just excited. They don't get that opportunity that much, I don't think. And when we rolled up with Nigel and everything he's so fantastic with the kids none of that staged with with any of that he would go in familiarize himself with the environment with the kids and just start a conversation we'd come in and he'd just have their attention the whole time so the shooting process was you know that i think that's how we managed to get quite cinematic shots as, as opposed to like run and gun mm -hmm. um and that's how we managed to sort of compose the shots within the scenes because he he just captivated them so well. That's brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, you. you can all relax now and enjoy <laughs> the rest of your day. Yeah. You know, there's, the there, <laughs> yeah, the hard bit's over. <laughs> thank so thank you very much. Well, I, was I was really pleased that most of the production team could be there. It's quite rare. It's often the director or maybe if you're lucky, a producer or a writer. But to have all three of them, um, they've gone through quite a journey, I think, to tell that story. So that's been that's really nice to have a chat with them. Kate, we'll start with you. Um, when you when you first saw this documentary, um, A Song Can't Burn, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I instantly liked it. I um, yeah, I thought um, it's interesting him talking about um, how it was filmed, but I thought it was beautifully shot. And it's interesting having that kind of black drop of devastation, but in the foreground, so much hope and joy in amongst it. Yeah, and the guy, Nigel, was such an unassuming hero, but he... Um, yeah, he'd clearly been on his own journey and it was he kind of got glimpses of his where he'd come come from and how he'd got to this place and it made you want to find out more about all the other stuff he'd done. Um yeah, I just um found it um just the glimpses of humanity in the and the dark place of war um was just really gave you a kind of real sense of hope. And I think the only thing I would have wanted to see was the performance at the end of the... Yeah, because it's, it's all the build-up of them yeah. rehearsing and getting to know each other. And yeah, and that might have been a, a, a permissions thing or a um, 
licensing thing for the song, although they do play it at the end of the... Yeah, because it was uh, Cat Stevens' song. And yeah, I think Nigel does mention in the documentary, actually, that um, he gave him his blessing, which yeah. is really, really lovely to say that this music is, um, you know, being used for great purpose, which yeah. is really nice. No, I really enjoyed it and it want me, made me want to find out more about the organisation and Nigel's <laughs> work. So, yeah, really liked it. Chris? What was it? How did you feel watching it? It was quite, quite emotive at times. It was ultimately quite uplifting. It is. It's it, it's a very good film, as you say. It's it's just dripping with compassion. Um, the program is very interesting. That he's he's formed this music therapy program, which on the face of it, I suppose, might look as if it's perhaps not the most vital aid that could be delivered, but. Nigel talks very clearly in it about how this is giving kids a sense of normality, a sense that they can go into a schoolroom and here are tables and chairs and they can sit down. And that's really important for their own um, you know, psyches and their own psychiatric health. And I thought it was a brilliant depiction of that. And it was, as you say, it, it would have been nice to have seen the performance at the end because it does have that really good impetus when you know they've got two days to rehearse this song. As far as the actual structure of the film goes, that pushes the film along. You know, oh, they've got two days to, to get ready. And that helps because that gives that drive for it. But um, yeah, very, very good. I mean, beautifully shot, mm. um, you know, horrible situation. Um, the, you know, I did wonder about the drone shots that they had of, of some of the Syrian cities. I don't know how they got those. <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, no, it was, it was really lovely stuff. And uh, yeah, like I said before, it was really nice to uh, to meet the guys and hopefully they will work together again on other projects and we'll see, we'll see more from them. So now we're going from Syria, a documentary uh, based in Syria, to Iran. This um, isn't a documentary though. This is a, a really lovely uh, fiction. Is it a drama? Is it got, it's, got, it's a drama with comedy bits, but this one's called Video Check. Um, in an Iranian town, a child with a disability wishes to play volleyball. Uh, when an assumption is made by a neighbour, the volleyball cameras used in matches um, to, that assist the referees would have come in very handy. I think that kind of sums up the film in general. Um, sadly, the um, producer of this, uh, Mohammed Fard, he was unable to attend Exit 6, uh, 2019 because he just had a baby girl so he was busy changing nappies and not sleeping um, but uh, he did present his best wishes and it was really nice to have this film come in because he'd also produced a film we'd shown a year or two ago called The Fan which again um, set in Iran about um, an old lady who is desperately trying to fix her satellite dish to see a match, football match. And I would imagine he's the kind of producer that wants to tell very human stories, but there's always a little bit of sports going on somewhere. I think that's how he, uh, he likes to, people to tell stories. <laughs> so Chris, we'll start with you. What was your thoughts on uh, video checks? It was a bit of an unusual one. It is, it's always interesting to see cinema that's coming from outside of, in some ways, the Western tradition. And I've seen a couple of Iranian films over the last couple of years, and they're always very interesting. There's always something unique about them. And this was very, it's very observational. As you say, it's very difficult to, to nail down what it is. It's almost like an observational documentary in some ways. It, it, it's presented as if somebody's looking out of the window at this 
alleyway and seeing what's going on. It's, a, it's difficult to talk about it in some ways because you're giving away elements of the plot and things that happen. Yeah. Um, but it felt very, very observational, very natural. It doesn't prompt the viewer, I felt, to come to any kind of conclusion about who was good, who was bad, what, something happens in, in the film. Yeah. And you're left to think, huh, maybe that's just the way it is. That's just life. You feel like you're watching a piece of, of, of life. And it's not necessarily a world-shattering event, but it's, it's a world-shattering event to, to characters in this. In, uh, it's a piece of their everyday life. Yeah. And it was just nice it to see. day to day. Like, it's very gentle and it all kind of happens in real time, doesn't it? So I think, that, I think that's the real... Um, because there are obviously some edits in it and things like that. It's not all handheld, but it it just has this lovely pace. I thought that was that was something that really um, stood out for me. Anyway, yeah. Kate, what did you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. The slow it's slow moving, but it really draws you in. So you're not um, you're watching the time like um, it's you're you're in it immediately just because the the kind of storyline makes you care um, and you're desperate for someone to notice things and you're desperate for someone to help and in a way you're maybe experiencing what that child feels like on a day-to-day -day basis that kind of helplessness you want to shout um, to the people around people on screen to say that's, that's one of his disabilities the fact that he can't communicate isn't it so that yeah it's quite visceral and like, you're like feeling frustration for him yeah. and it doesn't necessarily make him out to be a victim. It doesn't necessarily make make you as the viewer um, dislike the other party in that. No, not at all. It's it's like, they're, oh, no. they're very gentle. They're human, yeah. and yeah. yeah, it's all all lovely characters. But yeah, I was left with that feeling of oh, I wish I could have done something. If only there was those uh, the cameras on the side yeah. of the pitch to catch uh, capture everything. Yeah. It would all be explained. Justice, yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, video check. That was that was. Uh, one of the quite a few actually Iranian films that we get through at Exit Six is great that you know Exit Six is spreading all the way over there and you know if they're trying to tell their stories and uh, and they send them to us. It was a very popular one in the discussions. It was actually yeah the there was Josh uh, our judge he he one of our judges he absolutely loved that he flew the flag for that one so we were glad we we all agreed it should be shown for sure <laughs>so the last one for this episode um, is what we say and what we mean by Abigail Pimenta. This one's a, a drama and her directorial debut. Um, the closing scene of a relationship weaving in and out of the reali reality of this last argument. That sums it up quite beautifully. And luckily, um, she was able to join us. So we'll get to hear from her now. This is Abigail. So you wrote it, directed it, edited it, produced it. Costume? Oh! Um, <laughs> I'm sure it's a bit of everything. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was just like, oh, this is sort of the tone. Um, and so I kind of asked my actors to just put some of their own clothes. Oh, amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, it was all sort of pretty much done on a, a tiny personal budget, just uh, out the need to like get a film made and actually get something out there. And was that your directorial debut? Your, yeah. Your first project. So yeah. it was, yeah, you, yeah. Were, you were you're doing everything. So you're the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And is it right? You, you studied acting. Yeah. But writing was really uh, encouraged during, during your course. So yeah. do you feel that it goes hand in hand when you know how to 
tell a story, you know how to act a story. And yeah. so where, where do you feel like you, you feel most comfortable? Do you like the writing, that process? Um, I would say actually the writing, uh, being a dyslexic is always the most um, scary part of it. And like actually getting like something out of my head and onto the, the page is quite nerve wracking. Um, but the beauty with that was I knew the two actors in it um, and I knew the place that I wanted to shoot it and I had a piece of music and knew things about them and knew the whole kind of like premise that I wanted to tell and then just kind of like the, let the emotions kind of like flow and at the time I didn't even realize like how personal the story was I was writing it for them but then and I hope like when people watch it they can see elements of their own experiences within it mm -hmm. or like yeah just something that's quite cathartic yeah yeah so what other projects have you got in in the pipeline at the moment? Know, a few. <laughs> oh, okay. Tell us about um, it. I, there, so there's another film which I'm currently co-writing with my writing partner, Ali Sedgwick. We've actually also written a feature film together that is in its sort of pre-production stage. It's mm -hmm. it's pretty much a finished draft. And what sort of genre is that? That Dark comedy. Okay. It's completely different. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, yeah, quite sort of painful, but again, quite relevant. Um, it's a story about when we ourselves were young actresses and being funnily enough taken of advantage of by a slightly older director but it's a comedy spin on it dark comedy train spotting-esque yeah. um but yeah and then there's a, another short film the dress which is in pre-production um just trying to get funding for that and then uh, the other short film which is currently being produced by another producer director dom lenoir and that's the one that we're sort of like trying develop like right now so okay you said you were trying to get funding yeah is it on um like go fund any platforms and people can contribute or are you at the moment not but hopefully we'll be we'll be working to get that on a platform at the moment particularly because the dress um has uh, the main character in it is a dress mm -hmm. so we're, we're hoping to try and get somebody who's a fashion designer or somebody like that on board so then hopefully that will bring some interest from their point of view and then kind of go with it as a sort of not just a creative idea, but also slightly more commercial and yeah. good for a, for yeah. a designer as well. Fantastic. Oh, that's quite a nice little selection you've got going on there. Yeah, all very different. <laughs> yeah, that's great. We, we, we wish, wish you the very best Thank you. and hopefully you'll be submitting next year. Hopefully. Hopefully. Sure. <laughs> That'd be lovely. That'd be great. Thank, Thank you, you very Claire. much. Thank you. So that was Abigail Pimento talking about uh, what we say and what we mean and uh, some of her upcoming projects, which sound really exciting and a bit different, which would be great. Um, now, for me, um, when I first saw this, I was I was um, quite impressed with how simple the visuals were on this because it did make you focus on the words because it was, it was an argument, but as things were being said, it was, you could hear their thoughts after they've said it or the person's thoughts as, as a reaction to what was being said so I kind of like that it was interesting for her as a directorial debut to go for that because it kind of really did kind of put um, the writing on more you could hear their thoughts after they've said it or the person's thoughts as, as a reaction to what was being said so I kind of like that it was interesting for her as a directorial debut to go for that because it kind of really did kind of put um, the writing on more of a platform so so that was um that was quite a good move, I think, by her. Uh, Chris, what, was, what were your um, thoughts and feelings about what we say and what we mean? Again, it was very good. It was, again, as long as it needed to be. Um, it was really well staged. Um, the 
way they'd set up the the what they say parts of the film as the as opposed to the what they mean parts. You, you saw their internal thinking mm. as the, the characters against a, a very neutral background. I like the way it was shot, the way they juxtaposed the elements where the characters are having a row and it cutting to show what their internal monologue was doing or what they meant. And that was very well done. It was very simple, very effective, very well staged. And it was one of those films that I think, as you say, it, it, it showed the quality of the writing and the quality of the acting. Kate, what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, I'd agree with everything you, you guys have said. Yeah, um, the performances from the two leads were re really strong and I, I did like the contrasting of the of the, the, the light and shade you got from the, the, the heat of the argument and then the reflective nature of the, actually, what, what am I really thinking and what are the consequences of this? Um, row in terms of the relationship and what it means going forward or not going forward. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was really nice um, contrasting um, nature of how it is in real life as well, that heated moment and the reflection afterwards. So, yeah. Because the argument was really heated. I mean, she was upstairs in the bedroom at the front of the house throwing clothes, his clothes, out of the window and he's down, you know, outside shouting. They'd like there's yeah. that to and fro and that can always be really quite horrible it's horrible to witness isn't it somebody having a row so heated but for it to almost keep that momentum but then cutting to those internal dialogue I thought was that was really nice and really nicely edited so there we go that was our last one for this uh, episode um, and you can join us next time for the second half of block one I will see you then bye This podcast was produced by Face TV with music from Joe Williams.